are listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. And now, bringing you the latest in science fiction movies and television shows, here are your here are your This is the capital. We have a little problem with our entrance sequence, so we may experience some slight turbulence and then explode. I got a bad feeling about this. Walter, put the cow away, would you? What is this place? It's a freak show. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 141. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Hartzog. And good evening. I am Miles P. McLaughlin. And, and we are here tonight to bring you a, an, a, a great show with some great interviews, with some great news. And it's always a good time to be back here at the diner, Miles. Absolutely. Even though it is hotter than the blazes of Hades out there. Uh, it is very warm in the kitchen tonight. Yes, and uh, I was cooking in the kitchen tonight. My wife is in Haiti. That is true. Scott made dinner tonight. Yes, I did. I mm-hmm. did. Uh, and how, how was the steak? Uh, steak was very good. I enjoyed right. the steak. And uh, the ravioli? Ravioli was good, and, and your wife had made this wonderful homemade pesto. It was oh, fantastic. Man, it was great. Even though she wasn't here, she made it all the way from Haiti. So, Shipped it over virtually. It was great. Uh, you, you always eat good at the Sci-Fi Diner. Yeah, you can't fail. If you go home hungry from the Sci-Fi Diner, it's your own fault. True. So, well, thank you guys so much for joining us tonight. We have, a, as we said, a great show. Um, by the way, just want to mention that this podcast comes to you courtesy of Daniel S. Thank you, Daniel S., for sponsoring this podcast episode of the Sci-Fi Diner. You, too, can sponsor just by visiting the Sci-Fi Diner podcast homepage. Just a tip jar there and give whatever. Another way that you can help support the diner, Miles. Mm, yes. What sort of phone do you have? What sort of phone do I yeah. have? Um, I just have a regular Verizon cell phone. All right, right. Mm-hmm. But if you were uh, if you were to own an Android phone or an iPhone, we now have an app. Oh, very good. We have an app, and um, and you know half the proceeds from that app go to support the Sci Fi Diner. So if you want to take us on the go, and you can find us on the Amazon App Store for those of you Android users, and then we are in iTunes. Um, there's a link in the little box on the if you go to the Sci Fi Diner podcast dot com webpage. There's a box with a link to that and explaining how you can go ahead and buy buy the Sci-Fi Diner app. That's fantastic. Yeah, so uh, we're now on your handheld device. I guess we were anyways if you downloaded the podcast. <laughs> now it just makes but it a lot easier. With it app. does. It does. And um, has it all in the goes and you get past episodes and there's some special media and stuff like that that I'm going to be releasing in it but haven't done so yet oh, but it cool. will be will be but I just wanted to tell you that it's out there and as always we can't say enough about thanks to Colin who does the Trek news and views on Trek FM right right mm-hmm. and um and uh he he does great work in the Trek universe and I was just on there just in a voicemail mm-hmm. and uh he what was at a Voyager uh I was at Deep Space 9 right uh, recollection, mm-hmm. and he was kind enough to play our promo. But uh, Colin is kind enough to help us in um, putting our past interviews on uh, YouTube. Yeah, and Katie Sackoff just went on YouTube. Oh, and good. Not that there's not a lot of Katie Sackoff we, in YouTube, anyways. But we didn't get a lot of time with her. But still, we we, we got to, we got to talk. I to forgot her. that when we uh, when we released that interview, we were talking to John Frage. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, from Think Geek. So that was cool. Mm-hmm. That was cool. But anyway, thanks, Colin, for doing that. And if you haven't done so, check out the Sci-Fi Diner on YouTube. So Sci-Fi Diner podcast there. What's going on in your sci-fi world, Miles? Well, I'm enjoying um, Falling Skies, of course. I'm really glad that's back and uh, liking what I've seen so far. I recently purchased uh, part two of the Star Trek IDW comic series, um, uh, putting the, the original series episodes in the J.J. verse, um, part two of uh, Return of the Archons. And so I finished reading that. I, that was a very enjoyable comic, um, maybe even more enjoyable than the episode itself. It just kind of um, – usually a comic – for some somehow the, the writer was just brilliant in packing a lot of information and story in that comic. So look forward to giving that way in the future as a prize. Yeah, very good. And very I'm reading good. the um, Star Trek uh, Typhon Expanse novel uh, – I think it's Ra- Raising the Dawn or whatever, but um, so I'm about two-thirds of the way of that, so that's what I'm um, reading right now, too. Oh, very good. Mm-hmm. Obviously, as you are, I'm watching Falling Skies and Tron Uprising. By the way, this has gotten dogged by critics. In my opinion, doesn't get enough of love. Hmm. And, uh, and I'll speak maybe more about this at length, about the story and everything, because I don't want to spoil it here. But some great voice acting here. I mean, we have Lance Riddick, of course, who is who has done work on Fringe as mm-hmm. Broyles. And uh, does the voice acting a couple episodes. Elijah Wood, Frodo himself, done, doing voice acting there. And Lance Hendrickson from... Aliens and oh Terminator and uh, Millennium and many other shows that he's done. I remember it was Abraham Lincoln and the day Lincoln was shot. Mm-hmm. It was a, you know, but this guy has an incredible voice. And you, I, when he, the moment he spoke, I knew who it was. Oh, yeah. He has a yeah. very distinctive voice. Very distinctive voice. So um, watching that with my son and also working my way through Transformers 3. Mm-hmm. So just started, haven't watched that. And I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I'm only watching it in bits and pieces, it seems for some reason my schedule has been absolutely chaotic. Absolutely mm-hmm. chaotic. I am reading through the fourth Game of Thrones novel, and um, it's good. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's my still my jogging buddy or my biking buddy or depending on what I'm doing, my driving buddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the book that I'm listening to and currently reading right oh, now. Cool. I think that's it. Okay. Isn't that enough? Oh, it, it's enough. It, it's, it's, <laughs> uh, it's enough. Oh, I did go to see Brave. Okay. But, uh, you know, but that's not really sci-fi related, but Disney animated mm-hmm. and uh, a little bit fantasy based, mm-hmm. a little bit fantasy based, I guess. But I enjoyed Brave. Brave was a good watch. Yeah. I haven't been to the theater since Avengers. I'll probably got to wait till, uh, till Dark Knight. Yeah. I'll probably wait till Dark Knight yeah. comes in. Batman, uh, Spider-Man is doing well. So, that's what I heard. Yeah. Yes. O- over a hundred million. It's you know, it's not even the weekend yet. It hasn't been out a week, but worldwide over a hundred million. I don't know what the production budget was. Couldn't find that, but it mm-hmm. seems like it's gonna make money for them. Yeah, I'm toying. Around. I mean, I I wouldn't mind seeing theaters. We'll have to wait and see. Oh, well, give me a call sometime, Miles. Yeah. You know, if you want to go see it, and maybe I'll go see it with you. Okay. Yeah, Sounds good. You, you, you probably won't have to twist my arm too far. I'm just yeah. saying. Yeah, good. So um, maybe we can go see a matinee sometime. That'd be better. Yeah, Yeah, that'd be great. Even better. Mm -hmm. Well, let's move into our uh, menu for tonight, Miles. Uh, What is on the docket for the menu? Well, for our interview, we just got off the phone a little while ago with the um, the 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 director and the cinematographer from um, Secular Quarter Three, and it's a very interesting movie short. um, And I don't want to give away too much now, but um, it's it's a very exciting two minutes. It is, and the the potential's there for more. Yeah, that, this this could springboard into future uh, projects. And, and this is one of the things – the thing that Miles and I found out about this interview was we watched it and we did research and there's like nothing on it. Um, 
not because it isn't out there. I mean, Wired Magazine did a did an interview with these guys, or at least talked about their work. So it's gained some national attention. It's just that they don't have a web page, right? They don't have a Facebook page, and uh, you know you can find it on YouTube for a contest. And we're going to be talking all about that on the interview and how you you our listeners can support them. Yeah, you can help. Mm-hmm. And um, not a lot of TV new TV news, but I did find an article uh, that should be. Interesting read and, and, and discussion. Um, so um, we, we, we in the States just celebrated July 4th, um, Independence Day. And so uh, Blaster posted up a neat article about uh, 15 uh, sci-fi freedom fighting from forces, uh, from, from, from sci-fi genre and action genre. So we'll, we'll look at that later. Awesome. And uh, our party book review, uh, this is a party book I was listening to about two years ago. It's uh, the Seventh Sun series by uh, J.C. Hutchins. Oh, good. I hear good things about that. It was a very enjoyable uh, yeah. series. And we're going to announce a trivia winner. We didn't forget that. I, you know, we, uh, I, yes, we're going to announce our, our trivia winner. And um, in this week's twist, uh, we have um, – William Shatner has a new documentary, and Robert Picardo says he would be definitely open to guest starring in a new Star Trek movie. Yeah, and what's this about The Hobbit, I hear? Yes, we might have um, some Hobbit rumor news um, yeah. about uh, who, who might be in it. And uh, this week's twist, um, just picked out five uh, iconic uh, music scores from, from past uh, sci-fi movies. That's for the sci-fi five and five. For, yes, yeah. for five and five, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, that sounds like a good menu. I'm excited about this menu. I think we have a lot of good stuff to talk it's about. It's good. It's going to be good. And the interview is a bit long, so for a little bit short news, that's all right. Sure. Yeah. So, well, what was – let's get into the trivia here and mm-hmm. let's start by saying what was the question that you poised for the past month for listeners to kind of get their hands on? Well, um, I, I had in mind and it really kind of spawned a little bit, you know, I don't want to say controversy, but um, – I guess I didn't think think it totally through when I asked this question. So the question was, name an actor who's seen on Battlestar Galactica who's played two different characters, and the clue uh, was uh, it was not a Cylon. It was not a Cylon. And so we had a certain person in mind, but right. we didn't think uh, as far as a lot of you listeners did. You guys thought further and uh, thought about it a lot more than we did. And so, uh, listeners, uh, hats off to you. Um, we are incredibly humbled by your expertise, that's for sure. Now, they did have to give a code word. The code word was, again... Dratus. It was Dratus. Mm-hmm. And they were vying for what? What was the prize they were going for? Um, a, a really awesome autograph uh, print of uh, Michael Hogan, a Colonel Ty himself. Right, right. So a little mm-hmm. bit of DNA, clone mini-me. And right. uh, We say that a lot. but uh, So... Who is our winner? Uh, our winner is um, uh, Great Scott Chandler. Yep. So Great Scott, Cape Cod Scott Chandler himself. Mm-hmm. Now, we do got to talk about this a little bit. He wrote in and said this, and I want to read the email because I feel like it's kind of apropos. He goes, hey, guys, so this is this a trick question? Mm-hmm. Because we didn't mention whether it's BSG just means the 2003 reimagined series or BSG the original and the 2003 version. Well, yeah. a lot of the answers you guys were coming in were saying, well, of course – you know, it's Richard Hatch. He was in both. Right. You know, play, and he played different characters. That, that, that is true. That, that is very that, true. It answered your question, Miles. That wasn't what we were thinking. We were really thinking of who? We were thinking of Ryan Robbins. Right. Mm-hmm. But uh, here's what uh, he, he went on to say. So here we go. If it's both series, and the obvious answer is Richard Hatch is Apollo and Tom Zarek. If it's just 2003 version, there are a list of several. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize there were several. James Ashcroft is Spectator 1 and Security Offer. <coughs> Eric Brooker uh, Ber- as Captain of the Gemini and George Chu. Um, 
Bisky Gugushi as Pilot One and Siku Hamilton. John Mann as Major Jackson, Dipper Spencer, and Lyndon. And Ryan Robbins as the Armistice Officer and Charlie Connor. But I'm guessing you're looking for Richard Hatch, <laughs> which we weren't. But, but you know. Those answers all are, they are we have all, to accept them. They are all right. They yeah. are all right. Mm-hmm. And um, you definitely are the prize. So I will get out to you sometime, hopefully not a month from now. But uh, I'll get out to you the prize of Michael Hogan. And uh, you definitely earned it. And this will this will look good in your autograph collection. It will. So. Yep. And uh, he ends with saying, as always, good night and good luck. So, um, so very good. But thank you so much. We will have a new trivia for you on the next episode of the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Right? That is true. So um, let's move into our first promo tonight. Our first promo is from the Gatecast. The Gatecast. Um, what Mike and company are still putting out the Gatecast episodes. Yeah. Mike what and, season are they in by now? They're in season seven. And so um, getting cl- – you know, I guess they're about halfway through season seven right now. Um, getting close to the point where um, uh, RDA, I guess, uh, bows out of uh, being – Full time associated with with Stargate, right? And then we'll see. Um, um, oh, um, the, the, the actor's name will lose me at the moment, but um, oh, it's a Bu- Bridges. But the, the, the guy from Bo, uh, Bo Bridges, Bu- well, Bridges, yeah, Bo Bridges. It's, yeah, you're, it's two actors that jumps in. Uh, Bo Bridges, oh, Claudia Black. Uh, she, <laughs> yeah, she, but but Bo Bridges, he he becomes a new general, and um, the actor from Farscape. Um, That's the guy I'm thinking. Oh, no, oh, 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 I'm in the wrong. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're talking about Ben Browder. Ben Browder, yeah, and then he Sorry. steps in the role. So. Uh, but, yeah, it, uh, as far – I've heard both of them describe their, their podcast this way. It's kind of like watching Stargate with um, kind of a mystery science fiction theater vibe to it. Oh, very good, very so good. So it's, um, you know, two, two, you know uh, two, two Brits um, having some fun with uh, Stargate. Well, you know, if you want some stonework from Stargate, you yeah. can, they, had like a, they, they, they were talking about a fountain they found that – was used in Stargate that you can buy, like apparently at any hardware store. Okay, so <laughs> yeah. you could uh, so mm-hmm. you could uh, own your own piece of Star Trek Star Trek architecture for your lawn. <laughs> so, but they do. I mean, uh, they do a good job. I mean, of um, letting you know some maybe some of the behind the scenes uh, information about uh, the episode and um, maybe the guest stars that are in there. They do a good job of um, you know maybe they'll be able to tell you like. What other episodes or shows had this name in the episode? So they do, you know, it, it is, it does, don't with humor, but they do their research. But they do the research. Yeah, so it's a, absolutely, as, if, if, for Stargate podcast, is a very enjoyable podcast. I listen to it, look forward to it when it's, um, when the new one is out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, you know, if you're in Stargate, if you're into Stargate, you got to check out this podcast. Right. Hi, everyone. I'm Jeffrey R. DeRigo, author of the Union Do stories available at Escape Pod, Clone Pod, and very soon at 1-800-GO-UNION.COM. I get my Stargate fix at GateCast. Stargate commentary delivered episode by episode. Get yours at gatecast.phasecast.com or subscribe via iTunes. GateCast, the Stargate podcast for fans, by fans. Are back, Miles. Miles, Miles, Miles. Tell us what is going on in the world of television. Television for us. Well, um, 
Nothing really new. I mean, we, there'll be some other shows coming out soon. I mean, Warehouse 13. Uh, yes, in, in a few short weeks. But as far as um, anything new and really, I don't know, very noteworthy, I couldn't find anything. However, I did see a really cool article on Blaster. Uh, we just celebrated our Independence Day just yesterday. after um, Here in the U.S., here for the those of you uh, foreign listeners. For, yes, for, yes. And so uh, Blaster had an interesting article about uh, – 15 uh, groups of um, um, folks from different sci-fi and action genres who who, who are basically freedom fighters. So they often do a holiday-esque uh, little article. And so we're going to give that to you today. All right. So uh, so how do you want to work this here? Okay. Well, um, I'll, re- I'll read the article and then we'll um, just scroll through the pictures. Absolutely. Okay. We'll go from there. So with an independence day nearly upon us, this is as a when, when the article was posted, it's great to remember all the freedom fighters who battled f- fictional baddies in sci-fi movies and on TV. From the battles against aliens to foreign forces, the quest for freedom has been a big part of sci-fi for decades. Considering that everyone loves a good underdog, most of these sci-fi fighters are overmatched from time to time. But they all share the one trait that's worth remembering this week. A quest for freedom regardless of the potential consequences. So from recent uh, hits like Falling Skies to classics like Star Wars, here's to you, our fearless heroes. All right. And the first one is one that I have not heard of before. I heard of, but never watched. It's Wolverines, the Wolverines in Red Dawn. The classic 80s U.S. invasion tale and the upcoming remake, the remake, of course, a group of high school students help spark a rebellion after the nation's invaded by a hostile nation. Did you ever see this movie? I didn't, and it's something I should. I mean, it's, as a child of the 80s, this is something I, I just need to be aware of. Right. Well, the second one is uh, given. This is a no-brainer, folks. Um, um, the brown coats. Uh, say no more. Yes. Say no more. So uh, our salute to the brown coats. It may have just lasted only one brief season and a movie, but Joss Whedon's beloved series established a, a deep universe. Though they technically lost the war to the alliance, the brown coats were one of the f- most uh, valiant rebel forces ever to grace the small screen. And uh, I can't help but think of the quote uh, from uh, Mal when you know, I guess. When he when he's dealing with the operative, he said, um, "You know, it basically, it may have been the losing side, but not sure it was the wrong side." <laughs> and isn't that a great quote? Right, That's an absolutely great quote. Our uh, third one comes in with "Falling Skies," second mass, no surprise there. Overmatched by Skitters and Max, doesn't stop him from trying to kick some butt. And talking about Stargate, we have that, you know, Mister. Mr. Pope in there from Stargate, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, boy, is he badass in this one. Yeah, he is. And, uh, uh, the next one we have, and this is a very, unfortunately, a short-lived series, um, the, 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 reima- the Reimagined V. Uh, so the Resistance in V, in both incarnations of this, uh, this The Aliens Among Us series, some human rebels have saw the true lizard faces and fought back. Uh, I'm, you know, it's too bad the new one never really took off, but I do remember the classic one. Um, we had the um, the original miniseries and then the, the, the second miniseries. Both of them were very enjoyable. Uh, yeah. I, I'll often go back and watch them again. Uh, we have Jericho and Jericho Rangers. The series is one of the best digging into small town America and how it would be affected by an attack that cut them off from the rest of the nation. The people of Jericho rally with their own Rangers force who defend the town from rogue military teams and out-of-control neighboring cities. Kind of this whole post-apocalyptic feel, right? Right. Um, 
Yeah. I, I, you know, I watched the first couple episodes and never got through the entire series. Did you watch the entire series? I never never watched Jericho. Um, maybe it's something I'll have to watch uh, later on. Yeah, maybe. Um, but uh, next one, of course, is... Um, it's a no-brainer. We've got to rewind this sometime, Miles. Yeah, we'll have to do a sci-fi rewind of uh, Independence Day. Uh, what's left of humanity? Uh, the, the alien invaders took out nearly all, all the resources of most of our people, but once we figure out how to take another... Take down their defenses. We rally uh, whatever planes and nukes we have left and take back the planet. So uh, Independence Day was a very enjoyable summer movie for the mid-90s. Um, you know, just another good summer feel-good movie. Yep. I remember fondly watching that as part of my bachelor's party in oh. theaters. That, 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 that would be a fun movie for a bachelor party. <laughs> yeah, so, that, so that dates it, 1996. Okay. 1996, so. Um, the Rebel Alliance in Star Wars. Of course, the classic rebellion. Nothing like taking down a galactic empire, right? Right. You know, good old Skywalker and mm-hmm. crew. And the next one on our list is um, is uh, the Human Resistance from the Matrix. Um, oh, we reviewed that one. We, so we, we, we have reviewed that. <laughs> and um, So robots have taken over the world, uh, driving the few humans left underground, doing battle in real life and in the computer world of the Matrix. They held down their fort until the fearless leader, uh, Neo, showed up. Oh, very good. Mm-hmm. And in the next one, we have the Free Jaffa Nation in Stargate SG-1. Kept under the thumbs of false gods since the dawn of time, the Jaffa warriors finally stood up to their oppressors. Once SG-1 showed them, they had a chance. And the Free Jaffa Nation eventually grew into a somewhat ally for Earth. Right. <laughs> yeah, somewhat there. Yeah, you can never, you know. Good picture of Teal there, though. Very, uh, yes. And the next one is the new Caprica ba- Rebellion for Battlestar Galactica. Oh, I'm glad we mentioned Battlestar in here. Yeah, me too. So the few survivors of humanity f- f- thought they, they found a safe place to hide. But the Cylons soon showed up and put the humans under strict regulations using uh, sneaky tactics ranging from um, the way to uh, suicide bombers. The humans kept on fighting. And so. Um, yeah, I, I did enjoy that story arc um, when they were on New Caprica. Yeah, that was that was good. Mm-hmm. I was I was happy to see him get back into space, though. It was, but it it was a very brave and bold choice to for the you know for Ron Moore take the humans to have them stay on this planet for about a year and then have the Cylons show up. Yeah, absolutely. Order of the Phoenix in Harry Potter comes in at our number 10 or 11 here. Uh, secret society founded by Albus Dumbledore, Dumbledore to created to oppose Lord Voldemort and his Death Eaters. The group springs into action when trouble arises. You did not watch Harry Potter films, did you? Yeah, I don't have Yeah, I read the books, absolutely loved them, and they were certainly a great part of the rebellion. Good. Well, next, and uh, this is the last movie I saw in theaters, uh, The Avengers. Uh, so when the greatest uh, threat arises, uh, humanity's greatest uh, heroes and Thor are called together to battle alien armies and save uh, Manhattan for another day. And so I just can't say enough good things about Avengers. Uh, saw it twice in the theaters. It was that enjoyable. And... Um, you know, can't wait till it comes out on DVD. So very see. good. Mm-hmm. Well, this one surprised me as making the list, but I'm very glad it's here. We have the future anti-observer movement in Fringe. We only get a glimpse into the anti-observer movement in 2036 in the last season's Letters of Transit, but now we know that we'll see a lot more of those freedom fighters next season. Yeah, I can't wait for that. That's going to be awesome. Oh, yeah. And next one in our list is uh, John Connor Resistance from Terminator, one of the uh, seminal examples of, of modern sci-fi. The future human resistance keeps trying to prevent their own apocalypse, sending back ages of machines to try and change the robot uprising. 
Yeah, very good. And, and coming in at number 15, we have The Brotherhood from 1984, the rumored movement to combat Big Brother hung over the late the tail, hinting at humanity's quest for freedom. So I, 1984 is not, uh, I never read 1984. I, I've read it. I've taught it. Oh. And uh, it's good. I don't think I've ever seen a movie adaptation of it, though. Mm-hmm. I know there have been at least one There's at least two, I think. Mm-hmm. But. But uh, yeah, that's uh, so that 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 that's our tribute to uh, freedom fighters. And you sci-fi. missed one, and I'm surprised. This last one's yours. Oh, it has your name written on it. Oh, <laughs> I, I thought you said. I thought you said that the last one was at 15. No. Nope. So um, the last one is Star Trek: uh, The Bajoran Resistance, a global resistance movement for Bajor during the Cardassian occupation. The movement was success was eventually successful in regaining the independence of Bajor. And so, um, D Space Nine, another great Star Trek series, and that was a good, entertaining um, arc with the uh, the Bajorans. Very good. Mm-hmm. Well, are we moving into movie news now? Let's move, yes, let's go to movie news. Uh, why don't you go ahead and take this? All right. Well, in movie news this week, we got some rumors about uh, somebody who might be in the next, be in the uh, the Hobbit. So the rumor of the day is... Whoa, uh, what, what sort of movie is The Hobbit? I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I know we're waiting for a long time. But uh, rumor of the day is that John Reese davies uh, Gimli, returning for The uh, Hobbit. Of the, and so um, uh, another Lord of the Rings favorite could be dusting off his costumes for The Hobbit. We already know that Elijah Wood, Orlando Bloom, Kate Blanchett, and uh, Andy Serkis are set to return. But what about John Reese davies A while ago, Reese davies was spotted in New Zealand visiting The Hobbit set. It led fans to believe he was on an official business, perhaps reprising his role from the previous Lord of the Ring films. To add fuel to the fire, the actor attended a recent convention where he was asked point blank if he'd appear in the movie. A fan revealed, at first he denied it, but after a little pressing, he smiled really big, laughed, winked, and said that maybe it was possible. His smile, his laugh, I'm taking this as a pretty big indicator that he will be involved in a small way. Can't wait to see it. Reese Davies also provided the voice of a tree beard in... Um, Lord of the Rings. So if he doesn't reprise Grimly, maybe he could do a voice cameo. What other character could he play? Um, so the, the Hobbit is expected to journey is to hit theaters December the 14th. I cannot wait. It's on my calendar already. So, um, no, it's not, but I, it should be. <laughs> well, I would tell you what. He could play Smog, okay. the dragon. Mm-hmm. Well, he, he has such a, a very – his voice is just phenomenal. Right, right. So I, if they don't utilize it for Gimli, I mean, they maybe they could put him in as a professor, you know, sliding through the wormhole. I'm just kidding. <laughs> wrong, wrong episode. Wrong, wrong genre. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but um, yeah, maybe he's in there. I hope, you know, I, I like John Reese davies and hopefully we'll see him. Man, Gimli's not in the original tale, but uh, he is the son of one of the dwarves, I believe, that is in the original Hobbit tale. So maybe he comes in as a uh, side character. I mean, he could have been alive, just not in the tale, right? Well, they're bringing these other characters back. I mean, uh, <sighs> yeah, he does. He does. Yeah. But, so. mm-hmm. Well, we have a patio book review, and this is a this is a patio book that you have read, not me, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, and you had a lot of good things to say about it when you were, were reading it. Tell us a little bit about this patio book. Well, this I, is our patio book review of the week, by the way. So I, I actually heard this um, listening to the uh, Leviathan Chronicles. Uh, Christoph Lapuka, you know, he he's he took the chance, took the opportunity to promote some other uh, patio books, and this was one of them. And I decided to check it out. Um, so, in the world of Seven Sun, everyday challenges are far from ordinary. E- each of these seven stories start a unique John Michael Smith uh, witness criminal profile. Uh, Doctor Mike's guest to hunt an unstoppable serial killer. Watch blue collar musician John realize a lifelong dream. Ride shotgun with the United States. Uh, uh, 
Marine Corps Captain Michael on a dangerous black ops mission in the Middle East before the world influence of a deranged computer hacker Kilroy 2.0 and more. Uh, Seventh Son represents the creator of a reboot of the popular Seventh Son Thriller series, designed to tightly integrate with Seventh Son Descent uh, print novel storyline. Uh, Seven Days is a perfect introduction to the Seventh Son universe. And meet the beta clones before, before they knew they were clones. So it's a cloner, cloner story. It, it's a cloner story, but it has action. Um, it's um, yeah, it's it, it, it's a big story. It, it's it, it's three books available on audio book right now, and and, and the, the first one's now available in print if you want to check it out in print. But it, it's um, read by the author, um, so it's it's not like a dramatized but he does a good job of reading it and i think uh, he'll suck you in just to remind or just to caution the listeners um this is this is probably pg-13 rated r-ish as far as uh, the content so you might want to you know if you're sensitive that sort of thing just just be aware but uh, it's a very entertaining series you make me want to read this i have not read this series i i think you'd like it i probably would i think you like it a lot i gotta get through game of thrones first <laughs> right Game of Thrones. Maybe I should uh, maybe I should put that onto my uh, list of things I'm going to download for uh, going to Disney when we go. Um, the nice thing is there's a lot you know a lot of material, so it'll be you know you'll have some good listening material on the way. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, um, why don't we uh, move into? Thank you, by the way, for that. Let's move into this week in Trek. So this week in Trek, um, William Shatner just can't seem to. Um, sit down and take a break, he has to do another documentary. So um, uh, William Shatner has a documentary called Get a Life. It's set to premiere in San Diego Comic-Con on July 14th, and later on Epics and Epics HD, HD in July. And uh, we'll play you the uh, trailer for it. Yeah, so I, re- I seem to recall them recording this at Vegas Con like a year or two ago. Right? Uh, that mu- the must be, you Can know. you imagine how I feel after being in hundreds of Star Trek conventions and asking myself, who are these people? Las Vegas, four days, 20,000 fans, 100 celebrities all congregating under one roof. This is the grand nexus of Star Trek conventions. My name is Maxi Panning, and I'm here for the convention from Germany. I met my wife here, and what got us together was our mutual interest in Star Trek. When Dave was 15 and a half years old, he just fell in love with Star Trek. To take David on a jaunt to a convention is like moving in an intensive care unit, and every piece of equipment is critical to his life. The fan sees a hero, and the fan holds that ideal up and models themselves after that. Star Trek is about as optimistic a view of the future as you could possibly get. I think it all comes back to Gene Roddenberry's vision of a future where we're all one world of all one people, and I think people really want to be that. The story that this franchise tells is a beautiful, optimistic story about mankind. I just feel like it's the best version of humanity. People choosing careers and getting married, all because of their love of Star Trek. See, I thought I got it, but I didn't get it. I never fully comprehended the levels to which this science fiction show reached into the souls of people.
Can you imagine? I, I really want to see this. I do too, and I, I hope. Um, I don't know if it'll be online or, um, but I'm gonna you know try to track it down when it comes out. See if I can see it. You know, here's the thing: the title is a is is kind of a play on the fact that he was what gone on record as saying, "You guys need to get a life. Get get over this. Star Trek is over." Right. That, that, that fa- very infamous uh, Saturn Live skit he did. Um, about 25 years ago, whatever it was, and uh, I, don't, I don't think he m- meant. I mean, it, to be taken, you know, as far as it was, right? I mean, it was just, you know, they they're just trying to have a little fun here, but, um, but uh, yeah, it's a play on the words from that, you know, skit, and I, you know, just he he has totally embraced his um, place in Star Trek, and well, you know, he and, and here's the thing about this movie: it seems from the preview, the little preview we got, that this is a very positive, a very positive spin on it. Exactly. I mean, he's talking to you know what Star Trek means to these people, and um, you know, and so, but but doing it, you know, showing these people as just normal everyday people, but you know, have some way that their lives have been blessed and enriched by Star Trek. So, wow, um, it looks like it's a very uplifting. Um, so, Comic Con, they're going to be able to see it, right? Con- yeah, and Comic Con, and so I, listeners, I don't know if any of you are going to San Diego Comic Con, but if you do, um, yeah, let us know what you think if you get a chance to see it. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, you know, when it, when it comes out, maybe there's a way to track it down. I'm sure it'll be it. a Vegas con too. Yeah. I'm sure. So uh, you can let us know if you are at either one of those two places because I would love to see this. Yeah, me too. I wonder if Chris Wood's going to be on it. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I, Chris I, Wood, maybe Mary. Um, Mary. Yeah, I can see Mary. I was debating whether one of the people we saw in here was Larry, but I couldn't tell. Oh, okay. I, that's possible. Yeah, possible, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. All right, well, we have another piece of Star Trek news here in the twist. Yes, yeah, so Robert Picardo says uh, he could appear in a Star Trek film. Um, Robert Picardo, who played uh, the Doctor in Star Trek Voyager, recently praised uh, Star Trek director J.J. Abrams and crew's uh, handling of the franchise during an interview with the UK Press Association. Picardo noted that there is a possibility that he and other Star Trek actors could appear in an upcoming film, as Leonard Nimoy did in, in the 2009 movie. Well, it's always possible they'll use one of us. I've met J.J., and he was very kind and complimentary to me. I know he watched the show because he's a fan of Star Trek. Nothing is impossible. Picardo went on to discuss how the new film have boosted interest in some of the old Star Trek TV series. What's wonderful about Star Trek having been rebooted so successfully by J.J. Abrams' movie franchise is that the the corollary effect is that it creates a new generation of fans and and is interested in all of it. They don't just sit around and wait for the next movie to come out. They'll, they'll go back and re-examine episodes. Yeah. So um, I could see Robert Picardo playing. You know, you know, he could play anything. I mean, it's still, you know, bring what he has to. He'll be whatever, whatever he whatever they use him for. He'll be entertaining. He can't be in the JJ verse unless they bring unless they leap to the future, right? Well, he can't play the Doctor. Um, right. He would have to play maybe an ancestor of of Herman Herman Zimmerman was the guy who created the the, the, the EMH. But he could play, or he could play a totally different character, not not related at all. He could play Herman Zimmerner, Herman Zimmerner uh, Senior. I don't know. Yeah, well, he, you know, I mean, I've seen him in other things. He could, he doesn't have, you know, Woolsey could play. Uh, well, he could play a, a Woolsey like character, though. Yeah, I could he see could. that. He could. Um, so yeah, I'd be. I mean, he's just a, such a phenomenal actor. I'd I'd be open to him see, seeing him on in a new Star Trek movie. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I'd watch it. I'd watch him in it. That's for sure. Oh yeah. Um, well, great. Well, thank you so much for the twist. 
Thank you. And uh, let's move into our last promo tonight. Our last promo is for the Saturday B Movie Reel. Hmm. Now, Miles, are you a fan? You don't get sci-fi. Or do you get sci-fi channel? I do get the sci-fi channel. So yeah. did you ever sit down and watch like uh, the, the Saturday B movies that they put out? Once in a great while, I will. Uh, it's funny. I actually did watch um, Zom- Zombie Apocalypse 2012. Okay. Which, which, I, which was a sci-fi you know, Kubrick's, yeah, a beat one of Sci-Fi Channel's B movies, and uh, Ving Rhames starred in it, and um, definitely low budget, but 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 still, you know, entertaining. Yeah, and fun. Well, you know, if you want a podcast that's dedicated to those movies, Saturday B Movie Reel by the uh, Tuning to Sci-Fi TV podcast. They put out Kevin Batchelder's one of Kevin Batchelder's shows, and they they review every Saturday. Every sci-fi movie that comes out, the Saturday B movie. Okay. So when there's not one, they go back and catch one of the older ones. Mm-hmm. So if you like those sorts of movies, this is a podcast you got to check it out. Hi, this is Kevin Batchelder. And this is the Saturday B movie reel. Shoot it! Shoot it! That's about describes it, yeah. All right, everybody stay here. We look specifically at the Sci-Fi Channel's original movies. You know the ones. The ones that air on Saturday night. Being known throughout the ages is an instant classic. <laughs> we need a bigger gator! Uh, limb cutting yes. and blood squirting from... <laughs> Flying limbs, I called them. it in my notes. <laughs> what could go wrong? We look on a regular basis at the movies as they come out, and since they've been over 200 of them, we do go back and look at many of them that are now out on DVD. By this point, I had completely forgotten any semblance of seeing if this actually makes any sense from a plot point of view. So come on by, get involved, and have some fun. Check us out at SaturdayBMovieReel.com. The future depends on it. Make it safe. Miles, we are back, and we are going to be chatting in just a moment with the guys from Secular Quarter 3. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about that interview that we had with them. Well, we saw this um, – it, it, it's a short. It's maybe two minutes long, but it, it, it is very gripping, very provocative um, – uh, UFOs over uh, Jerusalem. Yeah, I mean, we, 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 we just use, say that. We use UFOs in the loosest term because they are identified flying objects, and we don't know – who they are, alien, human, mm-hmm. it's not really given us in this little two-minute short, right? Right. And, it, and the thing that got me is it was very post-apocalyptic, uh, very future, a very bleak future, mm-hmm. uh, humanity divided, walled off from each other, and uh, kind of caged in, right. militaristic, mm-hmm. and it's a very – and these ships come in and lift the barriers. So the, 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 the writer of the movie, he is trying to – you know. There, there, there's a message he's trying to um, express in this, yeah. in this uh, short. So we had a chance to sit down with David uh, Gadaldi and I'm going to pronounce his name again. Is it is it Ite Ite Gross? Itai or Itai Gross? Mm, yeah. I, I'm, I'm really sorry, Mr. Gross. Uh, it's probably the easier way to say it that we got it with uh, David directed and did the visual effects for this little short in in, in Itai. Or Ite, uh, did uh, the cinematography for it. They also did a short called uh, Europa, which is being uh, catered around the uh, the, uh, the the uh, 
what do they call the cinema festival circuits right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, that one's not available online, although we'll put links to the uh, the trailers for that. But we had a great time chatting with them. Some really good information. We had a nice conversation about the project, about how they got into movie making. And, um, and really the philosophy behind it a little bit. True, true. And, um, and, and at the end we talked about, well, you know, how, how, how can we uh, help them out? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to tell you, he made that comment. It was a passing comment. We dialogued about this a little bit after the interview. He grew up in Jerusalem. I think this is one of the unique things about this feature. It is set in Jerusalem, and we don't have any – we don't have a lot of sci-fi ever set in Jerusalem. No, we don't. That is that is definitely original there. It is. It feels original, mm-hmm. and he mentioned growing up in Jerusalem and – Daily living with the threat of terrorism, mm-hmm. and he, it was an offhand comment. I just didn't, I couldn't imagine that. Right, right. So that kind of gripped me a little bit. I'm like, I almost wanted to dialogue about it further, even though it wasn't really the purpose why mm-hmm. we were there. But uh, you know, great interview. At times, our Skype connection was not real loving toward us tonight, and you can, it's a bit choppy at points. And uh, and uh, I'll, I'll do a little bit of editing, but you know, the interview, just bear with it. There's good content. And by and by all means, you got to check out Secular Quarter Three. We'll embed the link. We'll embed the video onto our page. But the most important thing you have to do is support these guys. These guys are going for a contest, right? Right. Sponsored by. Um, well, we'll let you know in the interview. Well, we'll let you know in the interview who's mm-hmm. sponsored by and how you can vote for it. Mm-hmm. But you definitely want to vote for it. That's you all do. I'm saying. Yeah, you definitely want to support this. Yep. So without further ado, here is our interview with Dave and Tay. Or Ty. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a Sci-Fi Diners podcast responsibility to give you this important announcement. Beware, there are UFOs spotted over Jerusalem. You go to YouTube and watch the UFOs hovering over Jerusalem and see what they're doing in the very new and awesome politically charged sci-fi short, Secular Quarter 3. Before you do, please join Scott and I as we talk with the director, uh, David Gidaldi, and cinematographer, cinematographer Itai Gross. Welcome, and thank you for taking time to talk with us in the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Thank you for having us. Oh, you're okay. welcome. So, so please, uh, b- 
we want to talk about Secular Quarter 3, but I'd like to know a little bit more about, um, about you guys and, and how you got into movie making. David, why, uh, don't, you, why, David, why don't you go uh, first? Sure. Um, I always like movies. I, I'm a big sci-fi fan. Since I was a, a little kid, I used to watch... Uh, uh, I was a big X-Files fan and, uh, and uh, Star Trek Generations and The Next Generation. Um, and uh, I was always a movie fan, I guess, my, my favorite uh, movie. Or the movie that, that was kind of like... Uh, um, the one that, that got me into, hooked into being a director was, uh, was, uh, uh, Jurassic Park, of course. Uh, um, and, um, into animation, I kind of got into animation out of, uh, necessity. I, I wasn't allowed to own a video camera. So, uh, uh, but I did have a computer. And I realized at some point I can do movies using the computer instead. Um, and that's pretty much how I got into animation in the first place. So I was always kind of a, a film buff using a computer as a, as a storytelling tool uh, and as uh, kind of a sh- almost a shortcut, although it's definitely not a short uh, route, but a shortcut into making movies, um, and that's it, I guess. That's the origin. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I noticed that you, I mean, that obviously play explains why the maybe that you were behind doing some of the visual effects for uh, secular quarter. Is that correct? Oh yeah, yeah. I was I had to work on it all by myself, uh, so I pretty much did everything. Everything. We had a fifty dollar budget. Yeah, very low budget. Yeah. So, so, so what about what about the X Files appeal to you? I mean, you mentioned that as a show and. That kind of grabbed you, or that you gravitated toward. What what in that show um, kind of stuck with you, and, and, and possibly maybe influenced uh, how you shoot and how you think about movies today? Well, I think X Files is uh, is a great example because I mean it, it was always about the, the tension between uh, Mulder and Scully, and, and there's always been a very very strong. You know, character arc in that show, um, and at the same time, you know, so so, so this really makes this show very uh, approachable and and uh, and uh, appealing. Um, and at the same time, I really loved. I mean, I, I guess I don't know, I liked how they used Steadicam all over the place. I, I liked the um, um, the almost surreal cinematography style that they had there, and and. Uh, um, just the far-fetched stories. How, how far they would go with, with some of these, uh, with some of the episodes and with the stories. Um, how imaginative they were. How um, just I guess you know hyper real to to an extent. It's just it's always been uh, a source of of, uh, of inspiration. It's, it's fascinating, and, and I love being carried away from you know from from our from my daily life. I I got to preface it. I, I used to watch X Files when I was in Israel. Uh, I grew up in Israel until I only came to, to the U.S. about two and a half years ago. So uh, I guess I don't know. Watching watching such a show and at the same time living in a place where you know things like uh, terrorism is a real threat there on, on almost on a daily basis. Um, that kind of es- escapism was really. I guess uh, almost a crucial 
daily dose uh, of, uh, of sanity in a way. Um, so yeah, I get, you know, it, it's just a place, my haven, I guess. Uh, and that's definitely one of the things that got me into, you know, into, into striving to create this kind of movies with that kind of imagery. Uh, so yeah, that, that's definitely one of the things that really inspired Seven Four Three, and, and also Europa and other things that I've done. Mm-hmm. Ite, please tell us, or Ite, I'm sorry, Ite, please ask us about your uh, your your movie making background. How'd you get into that? Uh, well, I always loved movies, of course, and uh, but wasn't really into the making uh, when I was when I was very young. And then at the age of sixteen, I saw a movie called uh, Blade Runner, and uh, right away understood that that. Um, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. That's what I need to do. Um, and I understood that I want to make movies. I want to shoot movies. And I want to make stuff that looks like that. And it, uh, it's, that inspired me. And I just wanted to investigate that uh, just as much as I can and, and be able to, you know, make that, I guess, influence people with that and with the visual storytelling. And, you know, since then I was making movies in high school in the army and then independent uh, um, film industry in Israel, and then moved to the U.S., started with New York, and then Los Angeles. And, yeah, mm-hmm. since then. So Actually, you, I want to add something. Go ahead. There's, there's uh, one movie that I remember as a kid. Uh, it's called Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, sorry. I'll say it again. Uh, Big Trouble in Little China. I don't know if you guys have heard of that, oh, yeah. that movie. Oh, yeah, great movie. But, I think one of the reasons that it really kind of stuck with me is that I think the visual effects, if, if there even was any, uh, they were so horrible. I mean, even the, just the practical effects. I think I, if I don't, if I recall correctly, I think I, I even remember seeing some of the wires that, that were used to like hold uh, some of the stunt guys and stuff like that. I mean, it was it was so uh, transparent, I guess. Uh, in a way, you really saw the making of the movie when you were seeing the movie, which would be a you know a really bad uh, bad achievement. You know, it's not something that I would be proud of as a movie maker, but it definitely kind of opened my eyes to the whole you know to the to the miracle that is making movies and and, and making people believe what they see. You know, so having seen that one when I was uh, pretty young, I think I was about nine or ten. At the time, it was really kind of like, uh, you know, gave me an insight to 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 the behind the scenes and how these things are created, and that, that has always been an, uh, an amazing, uh, like, inspiring uh, thing to see, and, and definitely made me want to become, you know, a director. It's kind of like almost watching the the tricks of a magician, you know. Um, so, and that's something I've always been um, fascinated with with just kind of making people believe what they see and, and forget that it's that it's, uh, it's made by somebody, you know. Mm-hmm. So you like to get into the the whole the whole thing of making an illusion. Uh, yeah, I mean that's definitely the the uh, the aspiration here is, is to make people forget that they're watching the film and, and really kind of be immersed in, in the story that they're seeing and, and the visuals and just believe what they see. 
mm-hmm. and not ask questions about, about how it's done, but more, more about you know what it's, what does it mean? What does it all mean? And what is what is the message here to to take? Mm. Good stuff. Yeah. So, uh, so we have uh, now you mentioned other movies or other projects you worked on besides Secular Quarter. Uh, we want to talk about Secular Quarter, obviously, primarily. But tell us a little bit about some of these other projects that you were working on. I know you were working on something for your, uh, I assume, a master's thesis of sorts. Yeah, Europa. We our thesis is Europa. It's also a science fiction film. It's twenty minutes long. It's uh, both of our theses. Yeah, me and Tai, me and Tai met actually at AFI in Los Angeles. We didn't know each other before that, even though we're both in history. Uh, believe it or not, believe it or not, it's actually possible not to know each other. Um, but uh, but and we collaborated on a project together called uh, Space Cookies in our first year at AFI. AFI is a program where we do uh, three short films in the, in the first year, short exercises. Um, and then uh, one master's thesis at the uh, second year. Uh, and me and Itai collaborated on one of the shorts. Itai studies cinematography and I study directing. Studied. Mm-hmm. Um, and Space Cookies was, was kind of a, a steampunk, steampunk crazy comedy about two... Steampunk adventure. Yeah, steampunk adventure comedy about two guys who uh, uh, create... They, they, they uh, build a uh, space rocket to take them to the moon, but there's only room for one guy, and uh, uh, you know they have to decide which one of them goes. And uh, I won't spoil the ending, but uh, actually, I will. It's it's neither one of them, but, but uh, it's kind of it was a, it was a funny comedy, and we really had a, lot, a good time making it. It was very intense in terms of production design. Like we we had a, a really good production designer. Um, I was, was also a, a student at, at film school. That was kind of like our, our first collaboration together. And then we did uh, Secular Quarter 3 was our second collaboration in Israel. And uh, we decided to, to team, collaborate, up yeah, team up for, for our master's thesis, which is Europa. And uh, that was a huge undertaking. It's, uh, we shot it in 35 millimeter over uh, a six-day period, all in a, in a stage. The exact opposite of Psycho 43, which was all uh, day exterior. Yeah, for some reason we decided it made sense and we did it. And now we know it was crazy, but it was worth it. It's, uh, I think it's a great, uh, it was a great creation and collaboration. Yeah. Definitely took us one step up, one level up. It also had a lot of visual effects in it as well. It had 90 visual effects shots. Uh, uh, which I worked on with, uh, this time I had a, a team of, uh, visual effects artists helping me out to a certain extent, uh, over the course of six months. Uh, and then it's definitely, uh, you know, I'm definitely proud of, of, of having finished all this stuff. I think, I think it's a step up in terms of the visual effects. Well, now, uh, is that, a, is that available any, uh, is that available online anywhere for people to see? There is a there is a password protected link which I will, will gladly give you. And well, there well, the trailers, there are trailers that are available. It's now okay. circulating in the festival circuit. Okay. So can't publish it because it just disqualified a film from other festivals. That's okay. That's why it's not you know released uh, publicly okay. as a yes, but there are trailers available. 
But there are trailers and, uh, available. Behind okay. the scenes, kind of, uh, I created this visual effects breakdown of some of the shots. It's pretty cool, I think. Okay. You can give me that. Um, yeah, we're going we're gonna to screen it at Comic-Con in two weeks or a week and a half, actually. Nice. Awesome. It's in uh, Comic-Con Festival, so you're uh, in town. <laughs> check it out. San Diego. Yeah, I don't know if we'll be at San Diego this year, but mm-hmm. um, but I long to make that trek someday. But it's awesome that you guys are going to be there screening it. Now you'll, you're going to be screening it at Comic Con. What are the what what are the hopes that you are having while at Comic Con and screening Europa? I would say, from what I've heard, my hope is that there's going to be more than ten people in the audience. <laughs> Uh, it's just, if, if, if we're going to have a full, you know, a, a full house to some people watching it, that would be a really, you know, I would be really happy because I want this movie to be seen. I think it's, it deserves to be seen by a lot of people, especially in Comic-Con, especially sci-fi fans. It's, uh, it's really, uh, it's really, uh, I think a delight for, for sci-fi fans, if I may say so. But, um, uh, other than that, I mean, it's the usual. You know, we, we, we make these short films in hopes to, to get people's attention and, and to hopefully, you know, create ourselves a, or, or, or make make people know who we are and, and uh, appreciate our craft and hopefully invest in our future projects. It's always about the next thing. Hopefully the next thing would be a little bit bigger than a short film. Yeah, um, a platform where we can... Uh, the, uh, you know, just make this this short format into a long format. Obviously, right. that's our goal. Right. And hopefully, in you know, somewhat of a, a sci-fi fashion, but then it's right. nice. Yeah, I mean that's why we're we're actually so glad that um, the your film festival contest, yeah. even though it's not a, uh, a sci-fi specific contest, it's still you know uh, organized and and uh, led by Ridley Scott. So, you know, it, they, they never said anything specific about sci-fi being uh, a, uh, you know, a specific genre that they're looking for, but you know, having somebody like Ridley Scott who just, who just finished a movie like Prometheus, which you both saw uh, in real life, is pretty, you know, it, it, it's pretty remarkable. It's, it's a, I think it's a good opportunity. Oh yeah, absolutely. And come on, it's Ridley Scott we're talking about here, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it's not a movie or two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So somewhere there. Some, yeah, yeah. Well, tell us. Um, so, so uh, tell us a little bit about this uh, little short that we got teased with called um, Secular Quarter Three. And the title brings up the question: Where's Secular Quarter One and Two? Secular. <laughs> 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 they first course. Yeah. Well, I think there are several several. The thing is, it's it's funny because I've um. Let, let me think of how, where to begin. Well, in two thousand eight, I I spent the whole summer in, in Berlin, and um, to make my vacation spicier, I, I spent most of it at the uh, at a uh, anarchist community in in East Berlin, oh, a building okay. that since been evicted for uh, illegal squatting. Uh, And uh, I was surrounded by these very interesting characters. Uh, I love them dearly. They're really nice uh, young people uh, who are all very politically active. And uh, when I was there, I realized 
how uh, diversified and, and varied are all these political views. Like, there are, especially in Germany and in Berlin, which is such a plural place with so many different uh, communities and, and people, and, you know, you don't, you won't even find there any religious people, that, per se, or, I mean, maybe you will, but where I was, even among just the secular uh, anarchists, there's so many different uh, opinions and, and, uh, and uh, ideologies and, and people who are pro-Israel but anti-German or anti or pro-German, anti-Israel, uh, pro-Palestinians. Uh, um, um, sometimes they would uh, demonstrate shoulder to shoulder. Sometimes they would demonstrate against each other. I mean, you get confused by all these different opinions because you know, some of them are, are just uh, pacifists and then they're against the Israeli army. Some of them are, are against anything that has to do with German and then they're very pro-Israeli because Israeli, you know, Israel kind of um, symbolizes uh, everything that Germany has fought against back in, in World War II. But you'll find so many different political opinions that I think I felt that there should be more than one secular quarter in Jerusalem, just because I, I would assume that even among secular there's going to be so many different, uh, you know, um, or very uh, opinions. And, and, and this, this film is all about segregation, about uh, shutting yourself down uh, and, and, and disconnecting yourself from anything that is different than, than your identity. And uh, and so I felt like you know there should be more than one second. There should be at least three. I think there are, there are more, but we just decided that you know we'll focus on that specific second. Also to also to emphasize the fact that there are quarters, that there are separation right. within the society, within the city. You know, the, the future, you know, that we what we depict is, is it seems very bleak. But uh, eventually it ends with, with uh, you know, a more optimistic yeah. point of view that we believe can happen. And uh, we don't want, the, you know, the world to go there. But, but you know, we, we just, it's, it's basically a metaphor to the mass, you know, okay. being united with, you know, freedom. And it's also a way to say that visual effects are going to save the world. Yeah, so that's yeah, well, and that, and, that, and that was kind of cool just to see, you know, okay, here's his, here's Jerusalem, which is, you know, becoming an icon in the world through, you know, the political strife and not just that, but other other events that have happened there. And to see, you know, a science fiction like film taking place in the streets is, is, I think one of the things that grabbed me was it was unique and, and it really hasn't been done before that I can recall, Miles. Right. I mean, uh, as far as science fiction and trying to, Mix it with all the political and religious strife that's going on in Israel right now. That's never been done before. No, no. I mean, and really messing with. I mean, talk about you know religious, you know, iconography and stuff mm -hmm. like that that takes place there. I mean, the wailing walls in the right. middle of that scene. Um, the only the only other directors I've seen that have uh, that have talked about that is. Um, well, in 2012, they destroyed like the Vatican and stuff mm. like that, and, you know. So a little bit in that, but most people just don't—they don't mess with the sacred too much. What I thought was made a huge statement. I don't want to give—I mean, I guess I'm risking giving a spoiler away, but you know, the the, the spaceships, you know, lifting the walls up um, and, and removing the barriers. I mean, it's the aliens that are well. To, this is a question I have for you, David. Yeah. Are these aliens? 
Well, I guess it's for you guys to decide. <laughs> I never, I never really wanted to ground these these uh, these vehicles or, or hovercrafts or spaceships into any specific identity because I felt you know it's it's not really about who these are. I mean, obviously, we don't want it. We don't want to <laughs> to be waiting for some kind of uh, you know uh, external either alien or or you know. Like foreign, you know, invaders to 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 force us into this kind of peace or you know this kind of uh, of uh, facing facing each other in unification. Um, so you know, I it's it's your choice. It's whatever you feel you know more comfortable knowing that. <laughs> I would I would prefer it to be actual you know the actual people that will tear down the wall, kind of like you know in. In Berlin in 89, was it? Oh, yes. So, so the ships are uh-huh. kind of serve as a plot device. Yeah. But really... Yeah, you know, I, I, I got to gotta admit, I, I, uh, I want to give uh, a really big kudos to, uh, to Fede Alvarez with uh, this short little YouTube video called Panic Attack. I think it was in 2010 or 2009, something like that. And, um, it's a three-minute short, uh, I think three or maybe six-minute um, about these spaceships uh, blowing the hell out of uh, of uh, Montevideo in, in Uruguay, and um, it was kind of like you know uh, a, a very well known short. So I think it got signed with Summer maybe right after that, right after it came big on YouTube, and, and he's directing a feature now. Um, and I, I liked it. I thought it was really interesting. It, it, it reminded me of, the, of uh, Independence Day, the movie. And uh, it was remarkable, you know, having been done on a, on a shoestring budget with, you know, just a few animators working on it. Um, and I, I wanted to somehow, like, maybe homage it or, 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 or comment on it in a way. Because I felt, you know... We always have these these invasion movies where you see all these you know huge aircrafts, UFOs, whatever you know. They always come in. They always have bad ill intention. They always destroy our cities and somehow create you know cause unification in the process. You know, just you know forcing human beings to unite in, in order to fight off the alien invader. I I thought it would just be an interesting twist in that niche. You know. Um, that's definitely something that I was thinking about when I worked. Right, right. Well, you, 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 you kind of gave us a little bit as far as what you hope to accomplish with uh, Secular Quarter 3. Um, it, is this something you think that could springboard into something else? Or can there be more stories told in the Secular Quarter 3 universe? Yeah, and it's funny because I've been I've been approached by many people, and not just uh, producers or agents, but also the directors, uh, some of the Israelis too, and people who have been uh, playing around with similar concepts. But uh, most of them didn't really have the ability this one, to to really uh, depict something on, on this scale with, with their resources. And uh, so many of them were like, oh, you know, you're really touching on, on something that we've been playing around with because it's, it's a very, it's almost an ideal playground for, for a big-scale movie uh, with, a, with a political undertone. And so I'm definitely uh, thinking about how to 
how to turn this into something bigger. Of course, just keeping, just stretching it into a two-hour format is not really going to work the way it is. Um, for many reasons, I mean, mostly characters. You really want to, to know who these people are, and you've got to somehow focus on a character that people really care about and can, can, can identify with. Um, so obviously, you know, it calls for many different, uh, for many adjustments to be made, but there's a lot to, to play around with. And, uh, and definitely, I've spent a lot of time thinking and, and coming down, I have to outlines written and, uh, and uh, you know, right now, actually talking to people and, and uh, there are a lot of collaboration opportunities that are right around the corner that I'm very, very excited to, you know, to start exploring. Hmm. Not to mention there's, there's, you know, you mentioned the, the, the possibilities here. There's, there's almost a hint of a love story at the very end. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. definitely one of the directions that this is taking, yeah. um, for sure. Yeah. I think the Orthodox guy who uh, admitted a lot of Orthodox people who have seen the movie really had uh, some some character design notes and comments on it because he's not really he's got like the, I guess somehow I didn't realize it, but apparently his hat uh, is uh, identified with with one Orthodox. Stream and his and his his jacket is identified with another Orthodox screen. So <laughs> Orthodox is like that's impossible. You know, this guy's like, what is he a hybrid uh, Jew? What, what's what's up with that? <laughs> I gotta admit, I didn't. I mean, I didn't do a lot of research on that. And so we, we really kind of shot it. We produced it in the last minute. We literally got this this costume like on the morning of, and we didn't really get a chance to do any adjustment. Um, but uh, but Orthodoxy themselves, it's a very interesting culture. Um, and at the same time, you know, when when you make a movie, if you wanna if you wanna focus on that kind of character, you know, somebody who's part of this this uh, this community, then um, you're gonna appeal to a certain a certain audience, and other possibly you know you can limit yourself in a way. So we're definitely thinking of how how to focus it on interesting characters that are closer to what we know. You know it's always about making your movie uh, approachable for as many people and not and not any indie audience and things like that. We, we know that we're going to make this movie mostly for a secular audience. Um, just because of the nature of you know, who's, who's going to watch movies like that. Who's, who's right. watching movies at all, you know? Right. Um, so... There's there's uh there's an interesting kind of fine line that we gotta walk with you know when dealing with things like that you know right. I think District Nine did an amazing job in, in like really kind of um, focusing on a character that a lot of people can identify with his problems are real world problems you know he's got you know his his uh, father in law is, is his boss and he hates him and. You know, you can identify with that. You know, forget about the aliens and, and <laughs> everything else that goes on there. The character is really, I mean, he's got real problems that, that are very interesting just to watch him by themselves. Um, so, you know, I think that's a, that's an important element to remember when, when when coming up with a sci-fi story that you really don't want to lose your audience in the right. midst of the, you know, the paranormal and, and outwardly 
on plot devices. You want to keep it you know, uh, grounded and logic device to be able to to think for themselves. Be like, hey, yeah, that's what I would do if I was in a situation like that. Right. So keep it, yeah, keep it human. Um, not to say that that you know that that's Orthodox Jews are not human. Just you know, it would be <laughs> it would be uh, it would be a very interesting challenge to to incorporate you know the different cultures into the movie without making a movie about just about these different cultures. It's, it's right. more about you know it's more about tolerance and or actually intolerance. Right. And what you know, what are the uh, what are the consequences of shutting yourself right. down and yourself in, in, uh, in, essentially in ghettos. Right, right, right. Yeah, some, some haunting, I mean, there's, there's no question about it that Secular Quarter brings in haunting images from some of the things you saw, some of the images you saw from the uh, the ghettos in Germany and some of the places that the Jews were kind of, uh, you know, heralded into. And so you have these kind of militaristic images on the walls and and then you have the walls themselves that are there and and these domes that you aren't sure where they're at, you know, what the domes are, but they're almost trapped in these things. And it's very uh, almost caged in a way. And and so um, and when they're lifted, there's this whole there's a sense of freedom. And I, and I, I think that message is resonates in, in more than just uh, more than just. Uh, you know, in Jerusalem, or, or, or is more of a more than just a Jewish or Palestinian issue. This becomes an issue that, even in our world, we have a lot of issues that that maybe that speaks to, and maybe is a reason. There's, you know, you guys have almost three and a half million views on this sucker. So, yeah, I'm, I guess you know the, these these walls. My inspiration for these walls were were. Not, I mean, I'm sure that there, there's some. It's got something to do with the Holocaust. I mean, I when I was uh, 13, I did go uh, to Poland. We went on a trip organized by our school, and, and we went to see some of the uh, um, some of the camps, the death camps, and, and uh, the labor camps in in Easter. Um, but also, you know, not not to compare at all because it's it's uh, it's a completely different thing. But uh, but also very much. In- Inspired by the, the separation walls that exist today in Jerusalem, uh, between is you know the, the between the Israeli territories and the Palestinian territories. I mean, there's a wall. There's there's a real wall, not too far from where we shot, you know, where we inserted our our, our CG wall. I mean, some of these real walls are even taller <laughs> than our, our CG wall, and um, we actually thought of, of shooting. The actual real wall, and just kind of like seamlessly cutting from our CG wall to the real wall. But we didn't have a chance to do that. We just had a, a, a too much of a busy day. Um, but uh, it would also be some kind of a sarcastic use of it, I think, which, which could, could cause a problem when when you watch it because the walls really Yeah, really well, I mean, yeah, but at the same time, the, the, the story kind of originated from me, you know, going on a on a, on a tour with with my brother. My brother is, is, an, is a French uh, guy, he's a half brother, and uh, um, it was his first time in Israel. And I took him around and, and showed him Jerusalem. And suddenly, we we found ourselves standing in front of the separation wall. And he's been into he's a politics major in in, uh, 
his undergrad, and, and he was so excited just to watch. He asked me to keep taking pictures of him, and he wanted to, because he knew he was going to show it to his friends, and they're just going to not believe that. You know, he's standing in this huge wall that literally separates this neighborhood into two. You know, you, you, we could see through cracks in the wall. We could see kids playing, you know, soccer on the other side, and it's like, you know, it's just unbelievable to to imagine this kind of uh, foreign object, like just slam in the middle of the neighborhood, separating between, you know, between you and, and another person who might, you know, could be your best friend, but but you can't, you know, you can't re even reach out and touch, you know, because he's, he's so essentially far away. Uh, and that was really like, I, I kept thinking about it. That resonated. And that's definitely probably the biggest one, so the biggest uh, um, inspiration to, to tell this story. Um, so yeah, I, mean, I think the, the walls that exist today are, are just as scary as, as anything. But you know, there's this. You there are opinions in each direction. I mean, right. you know, in the United States, you got the wall that's between the U.S. and, and uh, Mexico. And I just saw a film on YouTube that shows two girls climbing that wall in eight seconds, in eight seconds or something like that, just to show how inefficient that is. But then, uh, I guess we're just trying to exaggerate and emphasize the the terrible existing phenomenon of walls within our world that still exists and have existed throughout history. It's terrible. So. Well, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, again, it's like, I think our movie is is both a um, is both a criticism of, onto this thing, but also, you know, it shows that, I guess, you know, in a way, our, these walls are, are meant to, to, to prevent violence, you know, to prevent terrorism, uh, to, the, the, the initial purpose of these walls is to keep us safe, but again, it's like, it, are you, you know, are you going to hold down a gun and then feel safe, or are you going to try to reason with the other side and, and, and make sure that there's no reason to be afraid in the first place? Mm. Uh, I mean, there's always going to be disputes, even, you know, even within families and, and between friends, you know, it's it's always there's always a risk of, of turning into violence or, or being hurt by someone, the right. person next to you. Right. I think you know the answer should always be, to a certain extent, dialogue and, and uh, reasoning. And right. I think uh, I think education is really important. I think you know if you really want to talk about what this movie is or what making movies is about. It's almost, you know, making movies is about educating the next generation and and, uh, and preaching for some kind of a thought process that that is that has to, just has to happen. You know, we, we right. have to think about this. It's our, I want my kids to to ask themselves this question when they reach a certain age. It's like, you know, what, what do I think of, of 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 the other side? What do I think of people who are who have who are not like me, who are who have their own opinions, who believe different things. Do I am I scared about them, or am I fascinated with them? Do I want to be their friend? Do I want to fight them and, and wipe them off the planet, of the surface of the planet? Um, you know, I, I want this to be something that that they really, you know, sincerely ask themselves and, and know how to answer. Right. Yes. Right. Right. Well, very cool, guys. Well, so how can our listeners? Uh, Help you guys out as you uh, promote here Secular Quarter Three. 
oh wow, there's so much they can do. It's unbelievable. We really, we would really like, uh, first of all, to, to people watch the film. I mean, uh, we're really proud of our work and, and uh, what you think. Watch the film and yeah, it ties already jumping ahead. And uh, our film is now waiting for, for for to become one of the finalists at this at the York Film Festival contest. And voting for it is very simple. It's just you know going into a, a uh, certain website. Can you guys add a link to it? Or we we have a link to the uh, the the page that you can vote for it on. Oh great, that's perfect. Yeah. So and we'll embed we'll embed that into our show notes. Yeah, and vote for it, and you can vote for it once a day. So uh, I don't know how many days are, are left, but uh, there's definitely yeah, there's definitely a few days left there. So if each of your listeners would take a second of their time and go in and vote uh, uh, once a day, and that would be great. And also, you know, spread the word. Uh, Help us out. You know. <laughs> right. We would really like to get to. Uh, It'll be an amazing opportunity. Yeah, to, uh, you know, it would be an amazing thing. And we'll love you. And just, uh, you know, you can Facebook share it. You know, whatever, whatever is possible to get more people to be exposed to it and to be able to vote. Yeah, I mean, uh, we have, have we just passed 70,000 views on YouTube, which we're really excited. It means that 70,000, oh, yeah, about 75,000. South, uh, people have seen the movie, which is remarkable. But I mean, I've seen a movie with uh, two cats fighting that got like 13 million views, and hmm. you know, I think that you know, cats fighting is, is a really important message too. But <laughs> you know, it's, it, it'd be great if if, uh, if our movie that has also you know, uh, some some substance and you know, an interesting message would, would be seen by. I, I, people at least, you know. Right. I say thirteen million is a good one. <laughs> Absolutely. For the next week, <laughs> believe we can. Yeah. yeah. It's all about trusting. Yeah. And this is going to give us the opportunity to uh, to make this dream come true. So. Just Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. Yeah. Well, David and Ite, thank you so much for sitting down and, and, and chatting with us here at Sci-Fi Diner about Secular Quarter 3 and Europa and some of the other projects you have in the work. And, and man, I'm jealous you guys going to Comic-Con. I hope you have a great time. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, and good luck in your movie. And I'll let you know when we, uh, when we, when we choose to air this interview. And, uh, but thank you guys so much for, uh, for, for, for dropping into the Sci-Fi Diner. Thanks so much. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah. Good yeah. All right. I'm probably going to end the interview around at that point. Okay. So, and uh, how do you feel? It, that seemed to go well. Yeah. Yeah. I think so I mean, I've probably talked a little too much. No. Sure kind of no, that's fine. Well, yeah, it's, 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 it, it, <laughs> well, here yeah. and here's the thing that I like. The the fact is, the best science fiction. Does does comment uh, socially uh, on our society, and that's what that's what Secular Quarter Three does. So, it's good to know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, I, mean, I, I always thought, you know, when I, I always say that I'm I'm a big sci-fi fan, but I didn't consider myself a, a sci-fi director because I don't really believe that there is 
such a, a, a definition for directing. I mean, you know what I mean? It's like, um, you are a director, you, you know how to tell stories, whether it's, uh, whether the, the, the stage is, is the back of your, 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 uh, your backyard or, or a spaceship, it doesn't really, you know, change the fact that it's eventually, you know, you're, you're all, all these uh, stages, whether it's realistic or non-realistic, it's, it's metaphoric, it's a metaphor. Story, some, right, you know, right. You can tell the story. Yeah. Yeah. Miles, any last words? Uh, I just wish you guys best of luck and success with uh, Second Quarter 3. And uh, it's good talking to you. And we are back. Well, Miles, before we go out of the diner here, we have a Sci-Fi 5 and 5, this tradition that we've had, mm-hmm. that we've been doing, and we are actually going back to revisit an old one, but there's been a lot of other uh, yeah. soundtracks since then. Go ahead. Tell us a little bit about know. our Sci-Fi 5 and 5. We, we may have done something very similar before, but um, music plays a very important part in our Sci-Fi movies and TV. And um, So I just came up with a list of um, five what I think are – Iconic uh, music scores. Now, when you say music scores, are we talking about movies here? Are we talking about TV shows? Are we broadening into say the music in general in these franchises or shows? Is that kind of what we're doing? Yeah, I think I think that's what I'm saying. So it's not necessarily a particular soundtrack, mm-hmm. as more the music in general for these shows. Okay, sure. very good. So number five is the Stargate series. Uh, the, the the music used in the movie. You hear that, you know what it's from. They 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 used it in the uh, TV series. Um, just just a great music piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and next on the list, this is probably more towards the movie series itself. But that you, you did hear it um, when they when they use it in Smallville. But the the, the Superman movies, um, the ones that put up by Richard Donner, and um, the, the very iconic music piece in those movies. Um, next one I have is uh, Terminator. As soon as you hear. You know, um, you know, bum, 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 you know, yeah. you just, you know, it's uh, um, it sends chills down your spine, and it's it's a creepy, you know, it it it, it doesn't uplift you right away. I mean, usually it's, it's it's a little scary and spooky, which 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 I like. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, Star Wars. Um, uh, the music from Star Wars is almost a, a character by itself. Uh, it's just it's, it's a phenomenon. And, and and last, of course, um, Star Trek. Uh, the, the particularly the, the one you know doesn't get the most love. I think the, the music uh, from Star Trek: The Motion Picture, um, fantastic music, and so much so it was uh, the, the theme was pretty much reused in Star Trek: Next Generation. We are missing one here, in my opinion. Oh, what, what, what would you like to contribute? Well, I, I would like to contribute as an honorary mention mm-hmm. that I think we really need to put on Bear McCreary's Battlestar Galactica music because that was some phenomenal music that any time I hear it, I continue to say, oh, it makes me long for the show. It, yes, I would say that definitely bears honorable mention. Um, yeah, Bear McCreary's a fantastic musician and, and uh, um, yeah, well, it's – 
I'll miss it. That's too. probably that's probably uh, all we need to say. He's a fantastic musician. We love you, Bear. Yes, follow him on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So he's there. I believe that's about it, Miles. That's a, a great show. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to us. Please come visit us on our Facebook fan page or at our website, the sci-fi Diner podcast uh, dot, dot com, not at Gmail. You can email us at gmail.com if you want. And um, let us know what you thought about anything that we talked about in the show, what you thought about our interview with Third Quarter. And uh, thank you so much for uh, joining with us tonight on this little sci-fi journey that we have here after the Day of Independence here in the U.S. So I believe that's about it. Miles, you want to take us out? Till next time, good night and good luck. We will see ya. Mm-hmm.